Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey everyone, before the episode starts, I just want to say sorry for kind of trailing off on the last season. Things got a little rough at the end of the year, but I am back uh, and I think we're going to have a really good winter spring together. I also want to let you know that this week's episode is all about how we protect abortion access. And if you dig it, be sure to listen past the credits to hear one young woman's abortion story courtesy of this month's amazing sponsor, Youth Testify. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I'm your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and welcome back to Unscrewed in 2019. We are wasting no time. We are not doing preliminaries. 2019 is not that kind of year. We are getting into it. We are bringing you practical advice for dystopia. I have here with me the wonderful and brilliant Robin Marty, uh, a longtime repro justice activist who has written a book for y'all, which is fresh on the shelves, called Handbook for a Post-Row America. Robin, thank you for joining us in this dystopia. Thank you so much for having me because there is nothing worse than being alone in the dystopia. Exactly. That is like one of the bedrock principles of Unscrewed is like everybody gets a dystopia buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and, if, and if anyone listening doesn't have a dystopia buddy, I will be your dystopia buddy. Seriously, I am I am here to buddy up and partner and prod and poke. And we are in such deep shit right now, guys. Deep doo doo. OK, so we're going to get into all of that. But at the beginning of every episode of Unscrewed, I ask a lightning round of get to know you questions. So first off, what's been making you happy this week? Um, things that have made me happy this week. Today is the first day that all of my children went back to school. It's so lovely to be alone in my house. I mean, I love kids, uh, especially other people's kids. Mine are okay too. But being completely alone in the house is like the most amazing thing in the world. Well, congratulations. What is some of the best sex advice you ever received? I don't think anybody has ever given me sex advice. I would give the best sex advice, which is it doesn't matter how much you love your partner and it in no way, shape or form denigrates the relationship that you have with your partner, but get intimately involved with yourself and your own tools. I love my husband. I also really love my vibrator and they're not mutually exclusive, but sometimes you just really want to have sex with yourself and there's nothing wrong with that. that yes. Is- how did you learn that? You know, honestly, I was raised in Nebraska, 
pretty uptight kid. Didn't really come into sexuality until probably college. And I didn't have many partners, so I didn't experiment much. I had a really serious boyfriend through most of college. And then after that ended, I moved up to Minnesota and I moved in with this guy that I'd been dating for a little bit. And that was almost 20 years ago. And we've been together ever since. So it really took years to really think about, I need to explore sexuality on my own. Because before it had always been like, sex is this serious relationship thing. And so realizing that sex is something that I could do just for myself, and it doesn't have to be performative in any sort of way, or a way of cementing a relationship or anything like that. Like, sex is self care. And that was such an important realization to come to. Amazing. Uh, And I love that you just literally just put in the hard work and figured it out. What has been making you the maddest or saddest lately when it comes to the sexual culture? Oh, gosh, I am so saddened by the fact that all of this purity culture and abstinence only education, all of this is coming back up again. Obviously, it's something that as a early gen Xer, Xenial, whatever you call the person on the cusp. I saw all of this happen when I was in high school. I saw abstinence only really hit its stride. And I mean, it crippled a lot of us who thought that sex was something dirty. And so seeing that this is all coming back, especially now that I have children, thinking that this is something that she's going to be inundated with as she gets older, it just makes me really horrified. And I'm hoping that this is just a blip and that like everything else with the Donald Trump administration, people will see how utterly backwards we've gone so quickly that they will rise up against it and say, we're not going to go back there. This is another thing that we just can't allow to happen. And abstinence only and purity culture will just go back to its little subset instead of being something that the government is trying to run and control. Yes. And they could use the tools in your book to help resist that. We'll get to that. What is a myth about sex that you used to believe but you don't believe anymore? I'm not sure I was really told a lot of myths. I mean, it's not really something that we talked about. We started having sex ed in junior high. We used to have this human growth and development class. And we used to, on Fridays, we had to watch Degrassi Junior High. Oh, my God. So it was like the episode where Spike gets pregnant or the episode where everybody has to carry their eggs around, take care of it and all that. So, I mean, we were immediately showed that sex is going to ruin your life. You can't have sex without getting pregnant. You're just going to get pregnant. There's nothing you can do about it. But that, but sex is going to ruin your life is a myth. Did you never believe that? I think I did think that if you had sex, you were going to automatically get pregnant. Like there wasn't much of a discussion at all about contraception or anything like that. One of the things that is really interesting now that I think back on it was this idea that Spike having a baby, like it was a horrible thing that ruined her life. And when you think about it now, I mean, we have a lot of resources for teen parents and there's absolutely no reason why if a teen does get pregnant and decides that she wants to parent, that she cannot be supported through that and finish school and do all of these things with her life. Like one of the things that I really hope that we come to better in our culture in a discussion is not just getting rid of the idea of teen sex is shameful, but also making sure that we understand that there are options and it's not just have an abortion or give a baby up for adoption. It's you can parent. There's nothing wrong with that as well. And so we need to understand that we can support all these different things instead of making it just black and white. Amazing. Yes. Uh, And then lastly, 
who is somebody who you think is doing really brave and incredible work unscrewing the sexual culture? Give somebody a shout out. Oh, gosh, there are so many people who are doing really brave work. But I want to actually give a big shout out to all the people who are really working hard right now in making sure that sex workers rights are not being overlooked because we are in a culture of complete and utter shame. And we even see progressives saying that, okay, we're anti-porn, we're anti, like, that sex workers is just something that people do where they're being taken advantage of and that all sex workers work is basically like sex trafficking, everything like that, and that there's no autonomy in it. So I really appreciate the work that's being done by the myriad of people that are making sure that this is being brought forward as an understanding of this is not a thing to be ashamed of. This is something that can be a part of the culture and this is actually work and like any other work should have rights. And it's not somebody who is being coerced into doing doing things against their will. Amen. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, you survived the lightning round. Yay! I was scared, actually. So, yay! <laughs> Nothing to be scared of. Now let's talk about dystopia. So you wrote a handbook for post-Roe America. Roe, just to be clear for everybody, is Roe v. Wade, the decision that made abortion legal on the federal level and overturned all the state bans on abortion uh, at the time. And you argue, as I think many listeners already know, that our right to our sort of both practical and legal right, and, and I'm sure we'll break down the difference, to access abortion care is eroding fast and is likely to erode further in the next few years. Uh, so maybe let's start there and make the case for the need for the book. I think that you can be brief. I think that most unscrewed nation folks already understand. But just to make sure we all have like a basic level of understanding about why we're planning for this particular dystopia. Sure. So the book is actually kind of non-traditional in the fact that it came to press really, really quickly. It was an idea that came into fruition right after Justice Anthony Kennedy, who many thought would be the the swing vote on whether abortion remained legal or not, announced that he was retiring. And then after that, Brett Kavanaugh was nominated. And we all knew that Donald Trump had said that anybody that he nominated to the Supreme Court would say that they would overturn Roe. So as soon as that happened this summer, this there was this pressure that we need to figure out and start working right at this moment to figure out what are the sort of actions that need to be taken in order to survive if we no longer have legal abortion in certain states. Obviously, in a lot of these states, we're already seeing that there's no accessible abortion for people of color, for marginalized communities, either because waiting periods are too long, clinics are too far away and too full, gestational period limits are too short. But now, all of a sudden, people who normally don't think about abortion have had this big wake-up call where they understand this is real, this is going to impact everyone. And it's sad that nobody was paying attention when it was just marginalized communities, but at least if nothing else, now we've got more power and more people coming in to really look at how do we support groups to make sure people can still get abortions? How do we work outside the legal system in order to get people abortions? How do we perform our own abortions? So all of these tools are put together in this handbook that will be out. I believe that people who ordered from the publisher have already gotten copies. Otherwise, copies will be available on January 15th. So like Yay. a couple days. So that is the day that the people are listening to this. If you are- if Buy you're, your book right this second. <laughs> go buy it. Okay, hit pause on the podcast. 
buy the book and come back and hear Robin give you a little tour through it. Yeah, so we're fucked. You lay out in the book like three different scenarios that might happen. One is basically that a case comes to the Supreme Court that gives them the opportunity to overturn Roe outright. The other two scenarios are about different ways that Roe could be eroded to the point of meaninglessness. Other cases could come up that basically mean that, you know, for example, a six-week ban could be legal and then basically the right to abortion becomes meaningless because lots of folks don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. And then the sort of outside unlikely chance that, which is what keeps me up at fucking night, that the Supreme Court could theoretically rule not just that it's okay under the Constitution to ban abortion, but that abortion is unconstitutional. So do I have that right? You've got it completely correct. One of the things that's happening, and it's like the nuclear option, for lack of a better way of putting it, is that there is a thread of antis right now who are vying for the idea that under the 14th Amendment, personhood, so the moment that a sperm meets egg and a new life is created, that is the point in which life exists and life should be protected. And so they're doing this based off of a concept that was actually in Roe v. Wade, where one of the judges who decided it said, if personhood was ever established, then this whole thing would need to be re-looked at. So their ultimate goal is the idea that Personhood begins at the moment of conception, so even before implantation, even before like we, there's just some cell replication at that point, before there's a heartbeat, before any of this, all abortion would be outlawed. Potentially, some forms of contraception would be outlawed because there is this, in many cases, mistaken belief that there are forms of contraception that stop implantation from happening. And but like the my copper IUD does sometimes stop implantation, doesn't it? Right. And the thing is, for the medical community, pregnancy does not begin until implantation. And there's a really good reason why that's true. One is the fact that if you don't implant, then nothing really grows. It just sloughs off with a regular period. The second is the fact that how they detect pregnancy is through a chemical in the blood called HGC. And you do not create this chemical until implantation has started. Right, because the body doesn't fucking know that a a sperm has implanted an egg. Like, it's just floating around in there. Right. You've got a thick lining that's just sitting there. And if an egg implanted, then bravo, here comes a pregnancy starting to develop, cells dividing, etc. Before that, you've got an egg and a sperm. You've got a fertilized egg. It's separating into pieces over and over again and doubling every uh, however many hours, which is how they track how things go. But until it implants, nothing can happen. And we're not even just talking about, okay, implant in the in the uterus where it's supposed to go. I mean, it can implant in a fallopian tube. That's how you get tubal ectopics. That's still a pregnancy. It's still a developing pregnancy, but it can't be a pregnancy until it implants somewhere because after a certain point, it just cannot keep getting bigger and feeding. You need, it needs to implant in a lining and feed on blood, feed on you in order to keep getting bigger. So you think, though, that that nuclear option is unlikely to happen? I think it's unlikely to happen because, quite frankly, the right relies on people who oppose abortion in order to get their lawmakers elected. And if we no longer have abortion on the table, they lose so many simple, easy votes. When you look at things like the people who just show up and say, okay, 
um, I'm voting for the pro-life candidate. Like, look at Democrats for Life, things like that. So many of them are still voting for Republicans simply because they oppose abortion, because they put that above every other single issue that's out there. Do they care about um, discrimination? Not if it means that babies are going to be murdered. Do they care about what's going on at the border? Well, yeah, sort of, but really it's more important that we stop the slaughter of unborn children. So once you take that off and once a person can't just automatically go, okay, I'm checking off the pro-life category on the, on the ballot, it's so much harder for them to be able to get elections. I mean, look at Donald Trump himself. He is probably the worst candidate who has ever run for president ever, but he was elected because he said, I am going to appoint judges who will overturn Roe v. Wade. So that is the thing that got him in. The the right wants to win on abortion restrictions, but only so much. Exactly. That is super interesting. I mean, that's one of the biggest arguments within the pro-life movement right now is this idea of are there what some of them refer to as professional pro-life activists? So people who make their money because they are bringing in foundation money or bringing in volunteer money, all of that because they are working to reduce abortion. And are they really dedicated to actually ending abortion altogether since that's how they make their living? Are they have they're having this argument internally as a movement right now? Oh, God, they've been having that argument internally ever since I started following them 10 years ago. It just ebbs and flows. And right now. So they're like the true believers who actually would love to see abortion outlawed across the country. And they're saying that the professional class of pro-lifers, quote unquote, pro-lifers are sellouts because their Mm -hmm. livelihood depends on it still being a conflict. Exactly. And that's why you see so many conflicts in between groups like, for instance, the personhood movement and Operation Rescue, people like that, and the National Right to Life Committee, who has always been taking these incremental approaches to trying to end abortion because they want to stay within the law, so they want to make sure that they don't accidentally affirm Roe, all of that. However, I will put out there that the most disturbing thing that I have seen happen trend-wise when it comes to where everybody stands on eliminating abortion is that the National Right to Life Committee, when working with Ohio at the very end of the heartbeat ban, the fight that they had last, was that just last month? It was just last month. It was December, yeah. I saw I saw your awesome tweet thread on this. I mean, awesome yeah. in a helpful... <laughs> awesome in a terrifying way. Yeah. Yeah. The National Right to Life Committee has now decided that they support heartbeat bans. And that is a huge change because that means they don't think that there's anything that can pass at this moment that might reaffirm Roe. So they believe that there is a court in place at the highest level now that will no longer find any abortion restrictions unconstitutional. That's scary because what I see happening is that we're going to have red states that we may not actually overturn Roe per se, but we're going to have red states like in Missouri where there'll be a heartbeat ban where abortion is banned basically between five and six weeks. But also there's one clinic, but also there's a 72 hour wait. So you have basically three days, if at all, in which you would know you were pregnant, that you could get in and get an abortion, assuming that the whole clinic wasn't overbooked. So I want to talk about all the useful and helpful practical stuff in your book. But before we get to it, I want to ask you one more horrifying question. Oh, God. Yes. (laughs) As of this recording, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg has missed the first two days of oral arguments. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she's yeah. in today or not. Do you? I don't know. But yes, I am very, very worried about that situation. I'm also extremely worried about the fact that, I mean, I will predict this right now. Clarence Thomas is retiring after this session. He is going to step down so that Trump, while still in power, can appoint somebody else to his seat who is much, much younger so that they can solidify their conservative majority for another 20-some years. Because Clarence Thomas is the oldest person on the or not the oldest, but the longest-serving person on the court right okay, now. Okay, but that's at least um, not going to change the balance. Like, God no, forbid. That's going to change the balance down the I mean, it's going to make what this balance is right now, it's going to make it, like, from this Way moment, harder. it will make it permanently, yes. Ugh. But then once RBG retires... If RBG has to retire during Trump's presidency, how much more fucked are we? Are we, are we just already the maximum amount fucked and it doesn't matter when it comes to abortion access or... Does that make us even yet still more fucked in a meaningful material way? That's my practical question. Uh, that would that would make us even more fucked. Um, if she is replaced by somebody appointed by Trump, then basically abortion rights and lots and lots of other rights, probably LGB equality, um, any sort of like hope for racial equality, all of that is over because because it will be over. We are currently at this exact moment in a place where Chief Justice John Roberts is considered the swing vote. I know, which is horrifying enough. He's a pretty rock-ribbed conservative. So the only thing that we have going for us with him is the fact that as of so far, he appears to at least appreciate the fact that the court has a job and that one of its jobs is that it's supposed to try and respect precedent. None of the others, none of the other conservatives on the courts believe that. Jesus. And whomever the next the next justice is replaced by will also not believe that. They will say that precedent doesn't matter because obviously it was an activist court who decided it wrong. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, so now that everyone is practically grounded in the hellscape that we are facing, <laughs> what are we supposed to fucking do about it, Robin? I have two ways to approach it. One way to approach it is the nice 
steady activist way, which is go figure out all of your groups that you can support, volunteer all of your time, get politically active, give your money, do everything you can to make sure that what access we do have stays in place. That's the good answer. My other answer is it's time to fuck shit up. And if we are no longer going to have rights and lots of people are going to have their rights stripped away from us, this is no longer a sustainable process and we need to go outside the legal system. And so that's one of the things that I really do with the book that I'm trying to make sure that people understand is it offers If we have hit that nuclear option, here are the things you can do. So there's a discussion on what sort of civil disobedience steps we can take, what things we should do outside of the legal system, such as managing our own abortion care. I thought the medical abortion information was so good and so glad to have it out there published in a book that that there's information in there about how, if you so chose... And also how to choose, but how to manage your own medication abortion. And I thought that was, I was just so, I was like cheering, especially the amount of detail that you go into. Yeah. And I want to be completely clear that all of this detail came, first of all, um, it's based off of World Health Organization protocol. So it's completely safe. It is also based off of various self-managed abortion groups who have vetted it. So they have approved the information that's in there know that it's safe, know that there is absolutely in no way, shape or form anything illegal about sharing that information far and wide. If you want to take photocopies of that section and start leaving it in college dorms, putting it on lampposts, whatever you want to do, there is nothing illegal about sharing that information with everybody far and wide. And honestly, my publisher approves that as well. So just get to it, make sure everybody has it. What we need to be really clear about is these things that are either in legal gray areas or definitely outside of the legal system. I believe that this is a situation where we're going to see more people who are acting on it despite that. Um, And I also think that when that does happen, if a person is considering working outside of the legal system, that person should basically do a privilege check is the way I put it. I love um, the way you so, wrote about that. And you were basically like, are you a middle-aged white lady? This is for you. Yeah. And I felt very called by that. <laughs> That's the thing that we need to do is we need to understand that we have a place in this movement right now that is that we can take the most risks because we are the ones who will be the least impacted by them. So one of the things that I really encourage in the book is to go through, basically, it's a checklist of whether you should break the law or not. Um, And obviously not encouraging anybody to break the law. I'm just saying, if that's something that you feel called to, make sure that you understand um, what would happen if you go to jail. Make sure that you know that these are the responsibilities that other people would have to take care of. But when it comes down to it, That's a decision that every person is going to have to make for him or herself. And it is always going to be a thing that people who are privileged, people who have more wealth, people who are white, people who are less oppressed by systematic racism, this is always going to be a better position that they can take. And that because of that, I mean, frankly, it's our responsibility right now. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. But there's also really practical stuff in there just about like taking care of yourself and your own, about like setting aside money in case you might need an abortion or, you know, that kind of planning as well. So like whatever the level is that you feel up to in terms of resistance, 
also have access to in terms of resistance because of all those levels of privilege or oppression that you might be located on or exposed to. There's stuff in the book for you one way or another because there's also resources about funds that will help you fund your abortion. And, you know, like it really is a handbook. I knew that was the name of it. But when I was reading it and I got to like, here is a list of resources, you know, like it. It's for real a handbook. Like it's very super practical. All the information that I kind of knew was out there and probably could have found on the internet, but it's all like in one little book. Well, and I did it that way for two reasons. One is because honestly, when I get freaked out about anything, I am a planner. So I need to know where are all the places that I can go if I need something. What is the situation going to look like after Roe is overturned? Um, What sort of questions do I need to ask a doctor to make sure that if I do decide that I need to do a self-managed abortion, how can I be sure that my doctor is not going to turn me in? All of these things are things that I think about and worry about. And so I wanted them all in one space in case other people did as well. But the other thing is we have to be prepared for the possibility that All this information is out there on the internet right now, but it may not always be. Right. And it could be anything as simple as like a website, no longer somebody didn't pay their hosting costs, but it could be something like the government has decided that certain information should not be available. Or you're fucking ISP because we don't have net neutrality anymore. Exactly. Or anti-abortion hackers could come and try and take down certain websites like we saw them do with the National Network of Abortion Funds when they were doing funding. So there's all these different ways that we could be impacted. You're already impacted right now. One of the things that I noticed when I was working on this book is because I was writing it over the summer and so my kids were out of school, I would go to public libraries or I would go to like kids spaces in so that they could play and I would be working while they were playing. Oh. And I couldn't get to websites that mentioned abortion because there were public blockers on it in order to make sure that you were only going to good websites. And that's now, right? Yeah, that's right now. (laughs) I also love that there's a number of reality checks in the book, which I totally also felt like you could have just called me Robin. (laughs) If you've been thinking, we need a new Jane collective, there's a chapter for you that's not necessarily going to agree with you. And like, we need to hoard pills and make a distribution network for emergency contraception there's a section on that which is literally when i think when trump was elected i first started thinking that and then Uh i started looking into it and people were like okay have a seat jacqueline people are already thinking about this and it's more complicated than you think so there's a lot of well and i want to give a yeah a really quick update about that just because one of the things i mean this book went into the publisher in october i was still updating it as soon as thanksgiving And it went into the printer basically the beginning of December. And like I said, it's coming off right now. It must have been so maddening to like decide when it was finished since the information keeps changing. Well, yeah. And the although some of it was good because, for instance, I got to read you a lot of it because of the Democratic wave election in November. So all of a sudden states that I'm like, oh, God, we're totally fucked because Wisconsin is probably going to overturn Roe. Now we're like, oh, hey, look, we have a Democratic governor in Wisconsin. And yes, they've done everything they can to limit his power. But at the very least, he will probably make sure that there's not a complete total abortion ban. So things like that, it was a delight to be able to update because honestly, slightly less scared after after the election than I was when I was originally writing the book. But one thing that has happened, and I'm bringing this up because people talk about emergency contraception a lot, and I'm a huge fan of emergency contraception, access to it, and it should be really available. The networks that I have mentioned in the book, 
those are growing now. So they're going to get updated. Obviously, I can't update it because books are not living things. So there are groups that are getting quite a bit of emergency contraception right now and are working on getting them to proper places where it can be better distributed. One of the things that I did outside of the book is I have a website that's called postrohandbook.com. When you go to that website, you will be able to see a large U.S. map. And I'm assuming by the point that this, that this airs, that when you click on each state, it's going to pull up your individual state and it will say, these are all the clinics in your state. And then it will say, these are all the reproductive justice groups that are working in your state. These are all the abortion funds working in your state. These are all the political groups that work on abortion in your state. These are all the practical support groups in your state. These are the people that are supplying emergency contraception in your state and doing that network. So you will be able to go and find your local organizations and be able to hook up with them if you have needs, hook up with them if you have... Um, if you want to volunteer, hook up with them. If you want to give them money, please give them money. Give them so much money. Um, so all of this is going to be at your fingertips and will be constantly updated because books obviously can't keep being updated. Um, and all of this information, again, is on websites, but none of it's been compiled into one big place. So that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, the compilation is a big part of the service that you did here. It's also, I think, that's a good way to identify what are the gaps in your state that need filling. I mean, one of the things that has For gotten sure. me thinking as someone who lives in a state where abortion rights are likely to be protected for a good long while, I'm in Massachusetts, is the idea of like a housing network for people who need to travel to seek abortions and a travel funding network, you know, like that there are things that I could right. figure out. Is that already happening in Massachusetts or is that something that I could start getting started? So I think that what's going to happen is that we're seeing that practical support groups are going to be taking on more and more of that burden and try to move that across states more. So for instance, Massachusetts at this point doesn't have anything that is happening. What is happening though is that we're seeing that New York has a lot of practical support groups. So we need, we're working on networking practical support groups together into different states so that, for instance, um, Massachusetts has the, I forgot the name of the abortion fund. We have the but Eastern so Massachusetts, Massachusetts Abortion Fund out here. Emma. Thank you. Emma, that's what it's called. And so Emma knows that there are these practical support groups that are around that will do housing. For instance, Massachusetts, I believe, only goes to, I, there's no third trimester care in Massachusetts. I think there is past the, I think it does go past 22 weeks. So if somebody needs a third trimester abortion in Massachusetts, if they talk to the fund, then the fund can tell them, here's a good place that you can go to. And so that's how we start networking across the states. Um, at this point, abortion funds are doing a lot of this and practical support groups. And the difference between an abortion fund and a practical support group is some practical support groups do the logistics sides of things. So you already have the funding for an abortion, but right now you're trying to figure out where can I stay near my clinic or how do I get to and from the clinic? Because if you're having an abortion and you're having any sort of, of, anesthesia you can't drive afterwards so things like that they take care of the non-financial non-directly funding the abortion portion of things I don't want to be like all Pollyanna silver liney ish but 
hitting this obvious crisis point, if nothing else, is making people understand now that this is the time that we have to work together. We have to network all of this across states. We have to especially get a lot of this care off of the coasts. Because if you go and look at the maps, the coasts are going to have abortion care. And then you look at, say, the South, where the entirety of the South is going to have nothing. Much of the Midwest, other than Illinois, and a splotch in Minnesota is going to have nothing. So we have to figure out how to get all of this across the states and get all of our resources from being just on the coasts and just where everything is already accessible. Right. And better figure out, can we get a bus that's going to go across the U.S. and pick up people in each state to get them to a clinic? Like, how are we going to do this on a mass scale? Because that's honestly where we're going, is how do we deal with mass travel? Right. And the best way to get plugged into that conversation would be for someone to reach out to their local abortion fund? There's reach out to your local abortion fund, reach out to your local RJ fund, reproductive justice fund, um, reach out to your local, if you have a narrow look, look out to that, they're working with people, check with a lot of the independent abortion clinics, especially the ones that are in the abortion care network, do organizing on the side as well, because they organize with other independent clinics, so they would know things. Basically, always reach out and start with your local organization, and then local people, if they don't know the answer, will able to figure out where to direct you to fantastic robin i could talk to you about this for a long time because i think about it a lot and i'm kind of freaking out but i do need to <laughs> wrap up thank you so much for writing this book and all of, of the course. work that you do where can people find you i know you're going to be doing some book events and i know you're very active on twitter and other social media tell us again about the website for the book give us all the info about how to connect on going with you Okay, so if you ever need to connect with me, I am Robin Marty on Twitter. I am also Robin Marty on Facebook, and I keep all of the basically anything that isn't about my children up as public information. So they're all public posts. You can find me at postgrowhandbook.com, which is the new website, and we'll also have the resource guide on it that you can interact with. You can email me at robinmarty at gmail because I love emails and I get them from everyone, and I always answer. I'm just sometimes a little bit slow. Um, and you can find Handbook for Post Row America either at my publisher's website, which is sevenstoriespress.com. Um, you can find it on Amazon, which if you do find it on Amazon, I would highly recommend that if you have a, a smile button so that you can actually provide donations to various groups by purchasing it, it kind of helps you get over that whole, I really should be buying from an indie. But I also suggest buying them from your local independent publishers and everybody should be carrying it. It will be on the shelves January 15th. Yes, buy it. Just buy it somewhere. You can also give reviews on Amazon, even if you didn't buy it on Amazon. Hot tip. Yes, and also I really, really like it if you did give reviews on Amazon, because one thing that does happen with people who write books about abortion is that there are often targeted campaigns from people who oppose abortion, who will downplay and write lots and lots of negative reviews, even though they haven't read the book, in order to try and bury your book. And it sucks. I am shocked, shocked to hear this, Robin. I know. Subterfuge. Who would think it? Who could have predicted that would be true? And I am Jacqueline F. on Twitter, J-A-C-L-Y-N-F, and Jacqueline Fable on Instagram. My website is at JacquelineFriedman.com, where you can find show notes and articles I've written and upcoming events for me and all of that good stuff. 
You can find Unscrewed, this fine podcast that you are currently listening to, wherever podcasts are available, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Acast, wherever you like to listen. If we aren't somewhere that you like to listen, let me know and I'll get us hooked up in that place you like to listen. While you are in the listener of your choice, please give us five stars and a couple sentence review. Much like on Amazon, that is how you help other people find the show because it bumps us up in the search result ratings and other people will discover us. Unscrewed is produced by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman, and edited by the incomparable Natalia Rodriguez. Our in and out music is by the Pink Tiles and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was developed in collaboration with the establishment who also developed the sound cues. But wait, we're not quite done yet. If you've noticed that you're not hearing that outro music, it's because, as promised, I have a special treat for you, courtesy of this month's sponsor, Youth Testify. They graciously connected me with one of the amazing young people they're working with to talk about her abortion story, why she decided to become a leader for abortion access, and what's giving her hope, yes, hope, in this messed up moment. Elena was well into her second trimester when she found out she was pregnant. She instantly knew she needed an abortion, but she didn't know much else. Here's what she told me about that moment. And I was scared because at that point, I really didn't know what my options were. I didn't know if I could get it in the state I lived. I didn't know if I could get a pill. I didn't know if I had to get a surgical procedure. I didn't know how long the surgical procedure was. And at the time, I was working and going to school. I was just nervous and overwhelmed. Yeah. All those feelings, I, and again, crying, like I couldn't stop crying in the office. From there, I found out that for sure I would have to have the surgical procedure. I found out that I would have to travel to a different city. I found out that I had to stay within a certain radius of that city where the surgical procedure would take place. And I would also have to find somebody that could drive me to and from the procedure And I was scared. Like, I didn't know anybody there. I couldn't really pay for the hotel and then transportation to even get there on the first day. I was just very, very overwhelmed. Um, One of the most things that scared me, I mean, besides the money and the transportation, the homestay, was finding somebody to drive me to and from because that meant I had to tell somebody. Did no one in your life know when you were getting an abortion? The only person that knew was my boyfriend. And at the time, he had just started a new job. And I didn't want to ask him to do that because the city was far and he also doesn't have a yeah really have a car. So he would have to figure out how to get a car. And I just I didn't want to have to. Yeah. Um, luckily for me, again, because of the great resources that I was referred to and the great providers that I had, they were able to refer me to the Northwest Abortion Access Fund. And from there, I was able to speak to somebody and she reassured me that everything was going to be okay. She found me a homestay. She provided me transportation. They paid for an Uber for me to get to and from the clinic. Um, And it was just the perfect situation for me. And also the abortion for how late I was, was well over three grand. 
And there's just, there's no way that I could have paid for that. Yeah. So thankfully the Northwest Abortion Access Fund existed and was able to help me out with that. It wasn't long after that that Youth Testify reached out to see if Elena might want to join them in speaking out. It was definitely scary for her. Her family and friends still don't know about her abortion, but she said yes for one simple reason. I just hope that someone out there hears it and resonates with it. I know when I was going through it, I was constantly searching up abortion stories online because I felt so alone. And any detail that was similar to mine, I immediately found comfort in, whether it was the age that I had my abortion, um, where they were as far along as I was, I always, I found comfort in it. And I imagine if people who shared their stories did that for me, I can hopefully do that for them. And if this episode made you feel hopeless at all, Elena's got the cure for that. I have hope. I do admit I was worried when Brett Kavanaugh was elected. <laughs> I think for a You're lot not of alone people, in that. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember I was, like, after reading the news, I couldn't talk to anybody because I was just so upset that it was confirmed. But I know that I'm not alone. And there are so many people that I've met throughout my time at Youth Testify. Just all these extraordinary people who work for reproductive justice organizations or who are working to make sex ed more comprehensive. I know that, you know, there's a lot of people fighting for this cause and a lot of people with passion and good intentions working towards changing the culture. And when you change culture, you know, we can change politics because that's really where it starts, how people think about it, how they feel. So thanks once again to Elena and everyone at Youth Testify, a program of the National Network of Abortion Funds and Advocates for Youth, for sponsoring Unscrewed and for leading the way. For more, be sure to visit youthtestify.org. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 